right. How are you guys doing? Merry Christmas. I can still say that, right? Merry post-Christmas. Um, cool. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be in the later part of Luke in verses 39 through 52 with a message entitled, My Father's Business. We're going to be looking at uh, a post-Christmas message, all right? A post-Christmas message. And what I mean by that is that this comes after the Christmas story. That's what we've been learning about. That's what we've been diving into the last couple of weeks together, what we celebrated yesterday. Well, Luke chapter 2 ends not with just the Christmas story, but what happens after that, but not yet before Jesus' public ministry. And so we're going to be looking at that today. Now, just out of curiosity, does anyone have like a family business that when you get older, you plan to go into? Anyone? Some, some of you do. Luke, what, what is it? What's a family business? What is it? Retail insurance. And you're like, Ah, okay. We'll just call it insurance. How about that? So you plan, like, when you get older, you're like, I'm going to go into insurance. I'm going to pick up my dad's legacy. And all right, cool. And then you, you had one. You guys have, like, family business? What is it? Air balancing? What, what is that? Okay, like air conditioning stuff? Okay, that's cool. And you're like, when I get older, I'm going to go into that? All right, that's cool. Anyone else have, like, a family business? Yeah, Juliet. Building engines? That sounds very cool. Like, engines for what? That's like what your family does? And you're like, I'm, I'm all about it, and that's what I'm going to do? Is there like a certain age that you have to be till you start working there? All right, making that, making that bank, huh? All right, that's cool. Sawyer? All right, so you're going to be like a farmer? Is that... Okay. All right. That's investor. We got, we got Sawyer the investor over here. Very cool. Well, you know, Jesus actually picked up his father's business. At least that is our assumption, right? So Joseph was a carpenter, right? Jesus's earthly father. Uh, our assumption from scripture and culture at that time is that Jesus also, as he would have gotten older, uh, would have picked up the trade of carpentry. Now, there's nowhere specific in the Bible that says that Jesus was a carpenter, uh, but our best guess is that uh, that's what he did. But what we're going to be looking at today is not the fact that Jesus went into his father's business regarding carpentry, but rather his heavenly father's business. And that's what we're going to be studying today. Now, this morning, we're looking at, like I told you, a post-Christmas story. You know, we've been looking at the birth of Christ, all the events surrounding. Well, Luke chapter 2 ends with, well, what happens next? What about that in-between time of Jesus' birth? and Jesus's adult ministry. What takes place? And the gospels in, indicate to us that uh, as was the tradition and the custom, according to scripture, that 40 days after Jesus was born, they would have brought him to the temple uh, in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as the firstborn son. And we know then some crazy stuff happened with some wise men, 
uh, with a king named Herod. Uh, Jesus and his family had to flee to Egypt for a couple years. And now we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 39, which really is them now getting settled back into their hometown of Nazareth. You know, there's a kind of a lot of drama surrounding the events of Jesus' birth. And what we're going to be studying today is that time that they get back in and settle down into Nazareth. And really what we're going to be studying is a story about Jesus as a boy. Now, the Bible's very clear that Jesus is our example, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb today and, then, and assume that we all know that the Bible describes for us that Jesus is our example, that what he did and how he lived should be what we do and how we live. First John chapter two, verse six, you can just note it down as a way of introduction. It says, he who says he abides in him, him being Jesus, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Meaning that the way that Jesus lived we should live too. And there's a lot of stories from the life of Jesus that we can learn from, right? We can learn about Jesus's compassion, his kindness, his passion for justice. Uh, but today is a story that I believe for each and every one of you is very personal because the story that we're reading today is a story about Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. How many 12-year-olds do we have in here? Raise your hand. Come on. All right. Uh, 13, 14, 11. Okay. A couple, couple of you guys. So all you guys are around the age of 12. This is the one and only story that we have in scripture of not Jesus as a baby or a, chi, a, a young infant uh, and not as an adult. It is one story that we have within 33 years that describes Jesus's um, growing up, if you will. And so I believe today, if you would be inclined to the spirit of God, that he wants to speak to each and every one of you in the season of life that you are currently living in. Jesus is our example always. But for you, uh, I think today's message is specific in a lot of ways. Not that I can't learn from it, not that the leaders can't glean from it. Every part of scripture has things to take away, but I believe that there's some parts more than others uh, that can speak to the seasons of life that we might currently find ourselves in. And so without further ado, let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 52. All right, you guys have your Bibles? Oh, you guys got to talk to me. Remember how Daniel was like, hey, like, talk, you know, talk to me up here, all right? As we get into today, if there's something you like, what do you say? Say amen. Say preach it. Say whatever, okay? Say whatever is on, on your heart. I mean, you, if, if, you, if you get too loud, then, you know, get a little crazy. But, uh, but like, give me a little feedback, right? And if I ask a question, respond. Like, that's okay. This, this is good, all right? Um, does that make sense? So Luke chapter two, you guys there? Yes, sir. All right, I heard Gabriel. You guys there? Yes. All right, love it. All right, look at verse 39 with me. The Bible says this, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew, being Jesus, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years 
years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus did not, uh, sorry, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among the relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let us pray. And God, we thank you for your specific way of working in our lives. It's not random and it's not group. Related, It's individually done. Lord, that in this room of, of about 100 people, you know how many hairs are on our head. And if you know that, then how much more do you know the depths of our heart and the things that we go through, the things that we struggle with, the things that make us happy, the things that make us angry? Lord, you know us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And Lord, because you know us in that way, this morning we want to trust you with our lives. We want to come before you for you to speak into us. We know that this story of a 12-year-old Jesus is not in there randomly, but it is specifically put in there for our learning and our growing that we might be boys and girls, men and women who live lives that please you. And so we pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word. And we pray this in confidence, knowing that you hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, sweet. So amazing story. A very unique in the Gospels for the reason that I just told you. Unique because we have a whole lot of details about Jesus as a baby, do we not? Yes? We have a whole lot of stories about Jesus as an adult, do we not? We do. We only have one story from the time that Jesus was an infant to the time that Jesus was an adult, and we find it right here. And we see that within the first couple of verses, we get some context, all right? We get some context and we see that in verse 39 and 40, uh, that the family is settling down, right? With all the craziness of the wise men, the shepherds, the, the uh, King Herod fleeing to Egypt, they get to go home for the first time with their baby boy, who's probably about a couple years old at this time, and they settle back in Nazareth. And 
Remember, they left Nazareth in the first place because of the census, right? That's where Mary and Joseph were from. But now they get to go back home and go back to uh, their hometown. And we see here that Luke gives us some kind of some details uh, of what it was like. Uh, Not too many, but a few. And notice in verse 40, look in your Bibles with me, that we see some details regarding, notice, the child Jesus. It says, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon us. Now, does anyone remember, what is Luke's occupation? Luke is the gospel writer, right, that's writing. Uh, I saw your hand first. Yeah, he's a doctor, right? Luke, uh, the gospel writer, what we just read, the author, uh, is a doctor. He's a physician. And I think it's pretty cool how from this doctor's vantage point, he gives some details of Jesus's development, right? He gives some details of Jesus's development. He didn't stay a baby. Uh, That baby that we just celebrated grew into a boy. And we see that Luke makes mentions of four details of his development. The first one is rather simple. It's just the fact that he grew physically, that he began to grow up. Uh, He started getting taller. His voice became different. Uh, He started growing physically. But not only physically, he grew strong in spirit. Uh, Strong in spirit is not the idea that little boy Jesus was lifting weights and getting yoked, but rather the fact that he became strong in spirit, meaning that it was regarding his character, who he was, not what just what he looked like. And though uh, he was getting uh, growing physically, he was also growing spiritually. And this clearly came, even as a child, from a close relationship with his Father in heaven. It comes no other way. And so he grew physically. He grew strong in spirit. Third detail is that he was, even as a child, he was filled with wisdom. You know, sometimes wisdom is something that we only kind of think about for old people, right? Oh, only old people have wisdom. That's why we we need wisdom. Go find someone old. They have wisdom. But young people can have wisdom too. Jesus as a child. And this would have been even before 12 12 years old was described as someone being filled with wisdom. It's knowing what to do and when to do it and how to do it. He was marked by being filled with wisdom. And then fourthly, the fact that the grace of God was upon him. It's the idea that he had God's blessing. You know, it wasn't just about the three years of ministry, but really these years that we're looking at today and these few short verses, really, in the span of all the gospels uh, are Jesus's preparation years. You know, he grew. And really what's being described for us is that he lived a life. Like he wasn't just a baby, And then like he fast forwarded time and then was a man. No, he lived day in and day out as a child. Like, I don't know why that, that alone is amazing to me. You know, his mission, we know his mission was to live a perfect life, to preach the kingdom of God, to be that perfect sacrifice, to rise from the dead, to ascend. But he spent years, right? Well, he wasn't 30 years old till he started his ministry. You ever thought about that in between time? What did he do? What did it look like? It was like you and me. He grew. He learned. He had wisdom. 
He had God's blessing on his life. He went to school. He worked. He was a person. Amazing. You know, he didn't fast forward time. And it's no surprise that Dr. Luke focuses on, on some of those development things, right? And so at this point, we kind of get some of those, those contexts, those details. And then Luke fast forwards for us uh, 10 years. So 10 years later is where verse 41 starts. Okay, look in your Bibles, look at verse 41. That's where that story starts about Jesus' family going down to the feast and winding up losing uh, Jesus. And so in verses 41 through 50, we just read them a moment ago, uh, we have this question that Mary and Joseph began to ask themselves of where is Jesus? And so we see him settle back into Nazareth, probably about two years old, three years old, an infant, uh, and, and at that point, then uh, would 10 years go by and we pick it up where Jesus is 12 years old. And we're told here that the family heads down to Jerusalem. This is something that was a custom uh, that they would do. They would go down for one of the feasts there in Jerusalem. Now, right, the family with Jesus is up in Nazareth. That is in the northern part of Israel. Uh, and the southern part of Israel is where Jerusalem is located. Uh, it's about probably uh, walking. It's probably about a three days journey. Remember, they didn't have cars back then. Uh, if you were to go in a, in a bus or a car, it's about three hours from each other, okay? So Israel, sometimes in our heads, we think it's like super big, right? They're like, oh yeah, you got like the, the Jordan River over here in Jerusalem and the Dead Sea and Galilee, and it's huge. Uh, it is the size of New Jersey, okay? Now, any of you know that know any geog geography, New Jersey is not a particularly large state and Israel is an entire country, okay? And so it's about a three days journey and the family Every year, it was kind of like a, a, they would make almost like a vacation out of it. Uh, they would go once a year as commanded by God at the minimum, and they would go to worship. Uh, they would, it was noted as a feast. And so there was times of worship, uh, animal sacrifices, those types of things, uh, but also lots of food. And this was an exciting time. And so uh, the Bible describes that the family gathers up all their uh, relatives that would have lived in the area and even some acquaintances, so friends. And they, they do this whole caravan where they would, you know, camp at night and then walk during the day and camp at night until they got to Jerusalem. That's how they got places. And so there was this yearly trip that they did every year. And, and at this one was different, though, because this one, after spending the week down there uh, in Jerusalem, worshiping God, that the family heads back home to Nazareth. Yet they forgot someone rather important. Notice in your Bibles in verse 43 that we see that Jesus lingered behind. The family, Mary, Joseph, all the relatives and acquaintances, they head back up to Nazareth and Jesus lingers. It means to stay behind. Now, don't get in your minds that Jesus was being rebellious that Jesus was just, you know, hated Nazareth and didn't want to go back and was wanting to freak out his parents, okay? That's not it. Uh, and don't also get in your, your head that, that Mary and Joseph were like these terrible parents that left their, their uh, you know, child behind. If you've ever seen Home Alone, okay, it happens, all right? Uh, but we see that 
uh, Jesus is left behind, and they just kind of assume. They're like, yeah, hey, you know, everyone's with us. Okay, they count heads. At least they think they do. And they're on the way back. And a day's journey, they start asking the question, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They start asking the, you know, have you seen him? Is he, is he, is he around? And they're already a day's, they're already been walking for a day at this point. And so at this point, they realize he's not there. Now I wonder, what kind of thoughts did, did Mary and Joseph, did they have like flashbacks to the angel Gabriel, you know, telling them, you know, you're going to birth a son and his name is going to be Jesus and he's going to be the son of the most high God and he's going to save the people from their sins and we lost him, right? Like what, what was going through their minds? Uh, no doubt, freaking out. Uh, we're going to see in a moment that they were, you know, this made them wildly distressed and anxious and so uh, they go back. They leave the caravan, they head back uh, to the city of Jerusalem, and they begin looking for them. Look there in, I believe it is in verse 46, it took three days to find him. Look in your Bibles, I'm not making it up, three days. I don't know why it took that long, uh, but nonetheless, it took three days, maybe a day to travel back, uh, and I guess a couple days to find him, uh, and they finally locate him. And in all the places he could have been, in all the, the things he could have, you know, been fooling around with, they find him in the temple. And they see him there, and he's sitting there. And there seems to be most likely a, a crowd that is formed of some kind. There's the teachers there. And 12-year-old Jesus is listening. He's asking questions. He's answering questions. And the Bible describes that the people there, including Mary and Joseph, were astonished at his answers, astonished at his ability to, to know uh, the scriptures and, and listen to the teachers. That of all the places he was, he was there. You know, what kid, when they are lost, goes to like the library, right? Go, goes to learn. But for Jesus, this is, this is where he went. Luke chapter 2, verse 47. It's in your Bibles, but this is the Philip's version. I like how it puts it. Uh, it says, All those who heard him were astonished at his powers of comprehension and at the answers that he gave. At his wisdom and understanding, they were amazed. And so Mary and Joseph finally get him, and they come up to him. And notice, look at verse 48. We see Mary has a pretty reasonable question for him. You guys still tracking, following? All right, look in your Bibles. Mary asks him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Their hair has probably fallen out. They had bags under their eyes. They're, they lost the son of God. Like that was a pretty big deal. And so they ask, like, why, why did you do this to us? Have you guys ever lost someone before? As in like, like you can't locate them? Like not that they're dead, but like that you can't find them. Like they're alive, you just don't know where they're at. Maybe it's in a store. Have, have you guys ever lost someone before? Uh, what about, have you ever been lost yourself? Right? That, that, man, the stress that comes along uh, with experiences like that, there's like no greater pit in your stomach. Uh, and imagine as a parent, Losing a child, and not only losing a child, losing the most important child that was ever born in the entire of the world, right? I mean, that'd be a pretty big deal. I always think of the story 
back when Haley and I were, were dating, uh, she had gone to Mexico with her parents. And I, and I know for some of you, it might be a repeat story, uh, but it's just, uh, just that brings up the feelings. Uh, and I love when my wife tells it. So she's in Mexico with her family. I'm in the United States. Okay? I'm, in, I'm in Chino Hills. And I get a phone call from her, and she's freaking out. I mean, she, I don't know if I've ever heard her like this. And she's like, we've been looking everywhere. They lost uh, her mom. Like, they couldn't find her. They were at the resort. She was there one moment, and then for, it was like hours had passed. They had no idea where she was. They'd gotten their resort staff involved. They had walked around everywhere. You know, in their head, they're thinking, man, did the cartel take her? Was she stolen? You know, you just, you know, Mexico, foreign country. Things can happen. And so, you know, all the thoughts going through the head, and then, and you know, so she calls me, and I'm like, I, I can pray. Like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't be there. Uh, and so, you know, prayed, and then, and then I hear the, of course, the story later on. They, they found her. It was like hours later, she comes walking from one of the pools at the resort, and, you know, and hat is turned sideways. She's all sunburned. She had knocked out in one of the, the pool chairs, and so they found her. But that feeling, right, that feeling of like what, like what happened to this person, and so Jesus responds to her. Look at verse 49. We have the first ever recorded words of Jesus. This is the first thing Jesus has said uh, that we have as a human, all right? And he's 12 years old. Jesus responds back with two questions. Verse 49, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, I don't know about you, but in English, when I read that, I'm like, Jesus is being sassy. Jesus is being, man, he's, he's giving lit back to his mama. Oh, man, like, what's, what's going on? Uh, and this is where I think some things are lost in translation. I don't know if you've ever read other parts of the Gospels where it seems like Jesus is like, dang, Jesus, like, that, you, you, you just called your mom woman. Like, I don't know if I'd ever call my mom woman, right? And there's, I think sometimes it just gets lost within the translation. Jesus is not being disrespectful. Um, in any way. And obviously, Jesus's situation is a little bit different than any of ours. But notice the question. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? If you have your own Bible, I want you to circle that word must. Okay, it's very important. It says, I must be about my father's business. Now, who is he referring to when he says, my father's business. Yeah. yeah. He's referring to God, his heavenly father, right? But maybe, and, and we see, if you look in the next verse, it says that Mary and Joseph didn't understand what he's talking about. Like they, they, were, they, were, they didn't understand, that didn't click for them. But did they, were they thinking like, wait, is he talking about like carpentry? Like, Jesus, it doesn't look like you're doing any woodwork here, Right. But you see, he was, he was talking about something beyond his occupation. He was referring to his mission. Must. The, the idea of, of my father's business is not, not occupationally, but my father's affairs. What my father is doing. His work, right? And Warren Wiersbe, commentator I share with you often, he put it like this. To Mary, Jesus was affirming his divine sonship. So reminding Mary, remember, Mary, like when you had me, the angel told you, 
I would not just be your son, but I would be the son of God. And his mission to do the will of the Father. Now, you got to give some credit to Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, they, they, had a, they did not have the easiest of, of jobs. They did, because Jesus never sinned, so that, that must have been kind of nice. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, the, the uniqueness of his mission. Now, what I want you to notice here is that within this context, Jesus says, I must be about my father's business, right? I want to be a part of what my heavenly father wants me to do. And what was he doing in that moment when he asked that question to Mary? Where was he at? What location was he at? Yeah. Yeah, he was in the temple. And what was Jesus doing in the temple? Was he twiddling his thumbs? Yeah. He was learning, right? He's there, he's sitting, he's listening, and he is responding. He is asking questions. He is giving answers. And so what I want you to note is that Jesus being about his father's business in this moment involved learning and growing in the things of God. This was a time in Jesus' life of preparation. Now, what makes this story even more incredible is when you look at it from the full historical context. When you realize that in that day, it was very natural for a son to take up his father's business. That's why we assume that Jesus took on carpentry. And in Judaism, a boy began to learn his father's trade at about 12 years old. Imagine at 12 years of age being taken out of school and going to work with your dad daily. You're like, you no longer have to go to school. You're going to make engines, right? Uh, you're going to whatever it might be. It'd be crazy. But remember, that is, that is the day in which we're reading. Now, within this context, though, we can tell that Jesus, at this point, at 12 years old, he already knew who he was and what he was to do. Like, when do you guys, when do you think that it clicked for Jesus who he was? Like, did he always know? Like, when, when did Jesus, because he was a baby, Right? You only have so much brain cognitive ability as a baby. Yes? So at what age did Jesus have the brain function to conclude who he was and what his mission was to do? I don't know. I don't think any of us know. But I can tell you it was before 12 years old. Because he already knew who he was. He already knew what his mission was to be, even at 12 years old, and I hope that some of you are making the connection and the application for yourself. If not, I will make it very clear by the end of the message. Now we see that Mary and Joseph just didn't, didn't get it, right? And so, well, what happens next? Does he stay there in Jerusalem? We'll look at verses 42, uh, sorry, 40, 51 and 52. We kind of see the in-between, all right? So we started with those first two verses, right? Remember, they settled back in Nazareth. He grew physically, spiritually, and then it ends with, uh, in Luke chapter 2, uh, 51 and 52, that talk about this, this in-between time. Basically, these two verses encompass 18 years of Jesus' life, from the age 12 to the age 30. Because in Luke 3, if you read Luke 3 later, 
Jesus is already 30. There's no more stories about Jesus being 18 or 19 or 20 or 25. Uh, it jumps to his, him being 30. And so what we have here is that, that we're told, look at verse 51. Then he went down with them, being Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I want you to note this word subject. He was subject to them. He put himself under subjection. That word, it means to be willingly obedient. Okay, not, not, not just forced obedience, right? Anyone can obey that's forced to obey. It's like, I don't have a choice. Jesus had a choice. He, he, he's Jesus, right? We know for at any time he describes that he could have called down legions of angels. If he didn't want to go back with Mary and Joseph, he didn't have to. But what did he do? He went back to Nazareth and for the next 18 years would live there. And until he became an adult would be under subjection, meaning he would be willingly obedient. Think about this. Jesus was involved in the very creation of his parents. Very trippy. Mary and Joseph, he created them, right? He's God. Yet he says, I am willing to live under their authority because it is from the Father. That whether I want to or not, the Father has put Mary and Joseph in my life to put myself under their authority, whether I like it or not. We're told that Mary kept these things in her heart uh, we see this in other places in scripture that she just kind of, she kept things in and she pondered them. She thought about them. And so not only to be about his father's business, was he going to be in the temple learning? But it also involved being submissive to those who God put over him. And so as we look at our very last verse, we kind of close as we began, right? We saw Jesus growing physically, strong in spirit. And now we see Luke mentions it again as he continues. He says that he increased, he, he progressed, he developed in wisdom, stature, meaning that little boy, 12-year-old Jesus became a man and he had favor with both God and men, which is awesome. Uh, there, was this, there was this great balance to the life of Jesus. He grew continually in his wisdom and he grew in his stature and those things were alongside each other. Now, some of you, really all of you, are growing physically. All of you right now are growing physically. The question today is, are you growing spiritually? You know, growing physically, you don't have to think about it too much. I mean, you guys need to eat. Okay, if you're not eating, you should eat, okay? Uh, you need to sleep. If you're not sleeping, you need to sleep, like those things. But if you just eat and sleep and live, like you're going to grow, right? Spiritually, it's, it takes some intentionality. If you only feed your body but don't feed your spirit, you're not going to grow, meaning that you're going to be a woman or a man and be spiritually a child. But for Jesus, both grew simultaneously. He grew in wisdom and he grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and men because of those two things. Because along with his growing, he grew internally. 
just find it so fascinating that for 30 years of Jesus' life, there really wasn't too much that you could point back and say was, was extraordinary. Other than the events surrounding his birth and his three years of ministry, he lived a lot of simple days. He went back home with his parents, eventually took on Joseph's trade, and was faithful in doing that. He lived every day. He didn't fast forward. And he did this so that he could know what it's like for, to be you and I. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with us, meaning he knows what it's like to live day in and day out. He didn't just come to be born and then become met. No, there was the time, the 18 years of silent period that we simply uh, don't know about, but we know that he was faithful. Now, my prayer for you is today that, is that as we've been kind of going through this, uh, very cool. It's a cool story, right? It's kind of unique. Is that you've allowed God to speak to you. And, and as we've gone through it verse by verse, I hope for that the application has been popping out to you a little bit, all right? And I believe that the main application for you is expressed in, in two ways, all right? And I mentioned them, uh, but I want to put them very clearly so that none of you could leave uh, not knowing what we talked about today, all right? You and I are to be like Jesus, right? We established that in the beginning. So we are to be about not just our earthly father's business, right? Luke's going to go into insurance. Juliet's going to go into building engines and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But before any of the occupational type stuff, you see our world, we are only focused on what we are going to do, right? What are you going to do when you grow up? And then when you guys get into high school, you're, what are you going to do after high school? That's going to be the continual question that you get. And that is an only, as, that's fine, but it's a worldly way of thinking only. The question should come first is, well, what am I going to do to be about my father's business in heaven? Well, for now, as a 12, 13, 14 year old, it's two things. More than anything else that God would want from you, would God would be the, how God would want you to live your life. Okay, the first one is investing into the knowledge of God. Every other 12-year-old would have been goofing off or freaking out that his parents weren't there, right? Like in Home Alone, we saw a couple different reactions. There's times he was goofing off, there's times he was freaking out. Um, yet, where do we find Jesus? We see him seeking after the knowledge of God without the enforcement of his parents. Did you guys get that? Is it bad that your parents want you to do a family devotional, that they want you to come to church? No. The problem can be, as you get older, is that your only motivation to be here now, your only motivation to read the Bible is because of the enforcement of your parents. For Jesus, his parents, I mean, <laughs> I don't suggest pulling a Jesus and going off to the mountains and seeking after the Lord, but they didn't even know where he was. He did this willingly. And so think about in your life, is there, is there any willing investment into the knowledge of God on your own? Or is it only at the encouragement of your parents? Should your parents be encouraging you? Yes, for sure. 
but what's your motivation? Because there's going to be a day where you're an adult, right? You're not going to be in junior high forever. And so your parents will not have those family devotions. They won't make you go to church. You will choose your own. What will you where is your investment? It should be into the knowledge of God. For Jesus, he was God in flesh, but he had to learn and to grow in his knowledge, right? He was asking questions. You know, asking questions is a good, Jesus asked questions. Some people think that asking questions about uh, the Bible can, can be, you know, a, a lack of faith or doubt. No, ask questions. It's a sign of your learning. You should be concerned if, if Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, devotion after devotion, if you have no questions about the Bible. If you're like, yeah, I, no, I, I feel like I'm, I, I get it all. You should be concerned. Now, does that mean you should have like a million? No, some people just naturally have more questions than others. But as we dive into the knowledge of God, it is good to have questions. It's a sign that you are actually getting it. The sign that you're learning. And we see for Jesus, this was the case. And so are you listening like Jesus? Are you asking questions like Jesus? So that's number one. All right. Make sense? I think you guys get that. Yes? Okay. Second one is important. Being subject to your parents. And no, your parents did not pay me or get me a big Christmas gift to give you this one. This is just the reality of the text. This is the reality of what Jesus did. To willingly and continue. Do you want to be about your father's business in heaven? In this season in your life, he has put people in your life to be the authority and rule, whether that is your parents, whether you have a different guardian, whether that's your grandparents, whether that's foster parents, whoever that might be, there is a person or persons in your life that God has put an authority over you. And whether you agree or disagree to be about your father's work and business is to say, I'm willing to put myself under you. It's amazing to think, that Jesus, who was God for years, willingly put himself under his parents' rule. He was the one who created them, yet he put himself under them. He didn't have to do this, yet in all things, Jesus is our example. You are all under the rule and authority of your parents, but I wonder today if there are some of you who are rebelling against that authority in your life, however small. Know that it's not, you're not rebelling against your parents, you're rebelling against God. Your parents were given their role by God himself. Now, are they perfect? Certainly not. Were Mary and Joseph perfect? Jesus was perfect. Mary and Joseph weren't, but he put himself under them. Meaning that even, there were no doubt times when Jesus would wholeheartedly disagree with his parents, and he would for sure be right. I mean, he was Jesus. He never sinned. Yet, even him in his perfection and his parents who were imperfect, he said, not because of them, but because of God. I'll concede to that. So listen, for you guys, if you rebel against your parents, if you disobey your parents' disrespect, it's, it's not towards them. You need to know it. that is ultimately towards God himself. 
So are you living in a way where you are subject to your parents? Were you willingly? Notice subje- subjection is not, you might say, well, I, I always obey them. Do you do it willingly? That's the question. Is you can, you can disagree with them, but would you define your life as like, yeah, like they're, they're the authority and rule in my life at the moment. God himself, but they are God appointed. See, Jesus began recognizing who he was and why he was here at 12 years old. Which tells me that you guys at 12, 13, and 14, you can have that same recognition of realizing who you are in Jesus and why you're here. You don't need to wait to be busy about your father's business when you become an adult. You're gonna be too busy with other stuff then. You gotta get started now so that it, it is a part of your life. You know, everyone's always busy. Hey, how you doing? Oh, busy, right? Especially in California. I'm sure if we were like in some state like Arkansas, we'd be like, oh no, not busy, I didn't do it. I don't know. I'm sure we'd be busy with like farm stuff and okay, I, I digress. But right, our world is busy. We're just always doing stuff and going to the next thing. But are we busy about the right kinds of things? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so I want you, to, I want you guys to really consider these things. Consider those, those two points of application and, and, and where you stand. And let's say there's, for you, no investment. Start a little. Start on that Bible reading plan that we're doing, little by little. Let's say for no, the, the second one, you're like, oh man, I, I'd, in no way would I be defined being under subjection to my parents. Start today. And in so doing, you will be busy about your father's business. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for this time in your word. And uh, God, we thank you that you are so detailed. Lord, I have no doubt that you have put this story, not just for junior high students, for all of us. Lord, we, we want to be busy about the right things. Lord, we don't want to get to heaven and realize that we, we, we were, had successful careers and we influenced people, but it was all for stuff that fades. We want to be a part of your last, everlasting kingdom. Lord, we want to live a life that has impact into eternity. And Lord, we know right now in the season of life that we're in, that we want to do it well. We want to do everything for your glory and your honor. Lord, but we know life gets away from us so often, so distracted at times, focused on ourselves, focused on other things. We pray that you would fix our thinking, that you would be the true north in our life, that we would look unto you always, Lord, that we would invest into knowing you in a greater way through your word, through prayer, through questions, through other people who know you. And Lord, that those you put in authority above us, whether it be our parents, whether it be a pastor, whether it be a boss, Lord, that we would respect 
the authority that you've put in our lives out of respect for you because we love you and want to please you. Would you be our greatest and ultimate motivation? So we look to you now, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.